Welcome to the Lisa Show Book Club. We're really excited that you're here. We have Shantae and Alexis. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Today, um, we are joining our conversation on Alone Together by um, Sherry Turkle. And we're talking about... This really is part three, but we're talking about chapters five, six, and seven today. And if you haven't gone back and seen part one and two, please do. Um, we had some really great discussions about really the foundation and the beginning of this book. And so I want to dive into um, part three um, today. And really, I in going over three chapters, I was trying to think of like, what do these three chapters sort of have in common? And I really think that it begs the questions of like, how can we hope for technology to do for it. You know, what? what is it our hope for robots, for technology, for our connection? Like, are we? do we want the right kind of things? Are we asking the right mm. kind of questions? And before we started, we, we were just having a really fun conversation <laughs> about how sometimes we think, you know, we have the right sort of mind frame, like with our kids and stuff, like, yes. don't do that, do this. It's so easy for us to tell. But it's hard to tell, like, when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it. And so we don't really true. have a lot of hindsight with technology. And I really like when it starts right out with complicities, that artificial intelligence between a mechanical view of people and a uh, and a psychological, even spiritual view of machines. And I wondered what you really like thought about like the overall ideas of why we have machines and what we hope we can do with them. Oh, I think that's brilliant. Honestly, do you, well, you want to go? I do. I mean, this we're always. I know we always like. Listen, this is why we have you. But I did feel like when I was reading it and just thinking of my life in real time, I was like, okay, life just seems so busy. We're going in so many directions that I would want it to support the areas that don't need human connection, so I have more time for more human connection. But it seems like we're trying to replace it yeah. and use it to. Like, I don't know, get more human connection, but it's not human at all. Mm. And so I think that that's where I could recognize even in my own life where maybe I have it flipped, where I'm like, when is it convenient and provides more time for family, friends, and connection and deep relationships? And when is it taking away from that? Oh, yeah. That's an important distinction. Yeah. No, that's really sort of where my mind was going of just like, it's it's such a brilliant invention, right? It's, yeah. It does so much. And even just reading these chapters and how children are connecting to them, but my mind kept going, there's a deeper need. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and especially for kids. Yes, yes. especially yeah. for kids. And I have so much mom guilt around electronics and technology. It eats me alive. But then there are times where I'm like, this is really useful. It's serving a purpose. I think it's separating that is the purpose to fill a human void, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or is the purpose outside of that that's actually really beneficial? Yeah, I just, I was so struck with when they introduced like new robots, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Sherry with this book talks a lot of case studies, right? And she's like, okay, so I gave these robots to these kids and this is how they responded. And I was so struck by like how they wanted the robots to love them. Yes. Yes. They like, as an adult, we kind of play along and we might be deceived, but we sort of go in and out of it. But the kids are like, do you think it likes me best? And things like, like yeah. they're looking for, just like they're looking, we know when they're like looking for our approval and attention as parents and as adults and things like that. And they're trying to make that like kind of initial connection. And a lot of times, like I'm the same way. Like yeah. I feel this mom guilt about like, oh, I think, did I give that kid a phone too early? And are they mm. on the internet too? And my kids are older now. And yeah. so it's like, well... 
I'm going to have to live with it. Yeah, you know, so right, I'm sort of like right. dealing with it now, but it was sort of like half and half, right? Yeah, like when yes. my older kids were older and then I made mistakes and then I changed my mind. But I I do notice, though, that all of our conversations are about like the time that our kids are on it, mm-hmm. yes. not the reason why. And exactly. I think intent means any everything. I really do. Yes, it does. And we were both just talking as we drove here about our kids when they get really stressed. It's like they want it as a decompression and a yeah. distraction. Yes. But then it's like, well, are we teaching them coping skills to not have to turn to that like zone out? Mm-hmm. I do it. I want Netflix oh, totally. at 11 o'clock at night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, but what coping things are we skipping? Because we're That's letting so them important. just de-stress with electronics. And sometimes it's causing more anxiety because then they're like, Absolutely. Yes. they're doing that without me. And, you know, who's really my friend? What does that mean? Yeah. I haven't seen him in real life, but we text all the time. Yeah. And I mean, that's what was interesting to me, the chapter about children yeah. and how it mentioned when it malfunctions, like the robots would malfunction and the like anger and depression and the feelings that these kids felt. It's like, oh my goodness, I actually see that with my children when I abruptly am like, get off the iPad. Yeah. You've had enough. Their emotions are so extreme and intense oh, yeah. because they're they're getting something from that. But it's not sustainable, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, even on the way here, I text our babysitter and I said, will you give my little eight-year-old five minutes warning, let him know that he needs to get off oh, of his game? Yeah. Yes. And so he right now is doing half-day schools because he's had some medical issues. But I can just tell even how he's relied on that as we've gone to doctor's appointments. And when he'll get really stressed and anxious and I'm trying to talk to the doctor, I'll say, oh, here's my phone. And then it's like... We're creating a generation of kids that don't know how to sit at a meal, (laughs) sit in a doctor's office. And it's like when you give it, you almost have to decide, is this worth it? And what could I be teaching instead? And so even there's the other day I told him, I was like, just go walk down the hall and then come back in. And that was better because he just needed to move. And we were with a specialist and it was a long, lengthy appointment. But he could just go out, walk down the hall and come back. And I'm like, oh, see, I'm like thinking his needs are something else than what they are, and the phone will fix that, but it really doesn't fix it. Ooh, I think that's such an important point because there, uh, there's always uncertainty in parenting anyway. Yes. Right. We're always like, am I doing this right or what should I do? And so it's interesting to like look at what problems we think technology is solving and what they actually are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was just struck by how much the kids just wanted the robot to yes. love them. How yes. much they wanted to like unprovoked like love it. Like a yes. like a family mm-hmm. member, but different. It's different than like a dog or a cat. Right. I don't know. To yeah. me, well, and something that I, I noticed know. too in that was even just the awareness of being distracted, but being there. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see how the kids wanted that connection with a robot, but they want that with us also. Yeah. Where it's like we might be in the room, but if our mind is somewhere else, or we're not making eye contact or engaging, the kids are feeling that, and it's making them question. Just like with a robot, is like, do, oh, totally. do they love me? What do they think of me? And well, it's so didn't you think it was interesting their response to indifference? Yes, like if they felt yeah, like it was worse. Yes, it was. it was worse to that indifference. And I'm like, as a parent, do we ever come off that way if we're distracted doing other things? How are they internalizing it? It was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and how does that affect their development? Because right. I think it's one thing for us to be able to do it with our life experience, mm-hmm. like, behind us. But as kids are developing and developing their brains, what kind of adults will they be? And what will they expect from human relationships yeah. if they're, 
you know, raised by robots. And I know that sounds so dramatic, like, <laughs> but like we're we're already dealing with things we never thought we would. Like during COVID, like we we all were online, and our kids yeah. were all online a lot more, and they than they normally are, yeah. no matter what. We all were, and if you compound that with then um, like what AI can do now mm-hmm. and the conversations that we're having, like it is getting a little bit away from us. And I and I what I like about this book, Alone Together, is that it acknowledges like okay, so what function do we want it to? How do we want it to serve us? We're still in control. I mean, science fiction <laughs> right. drama aside. Yes. I mean, they might already be in control. Please treat us, our robot masters, with kindness and love. Yes. Thank you. Um, but, but I mean, we, we can ask ourselves those questions. And it's this idea of like, I love how she talks about this idea of like playing God. because in, um, And she talks about in fiction and myth, human beings imagine themselves playing God and creating new forms of life. And now that we have these sociable robots, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like we're experimenting with this Mm -hmm. like new dynamic and how we see them. But she said, we are drawn by our humanity to give these machines something of the consideration we give to others because um, we reach for mutuality. We want them to take care of um, and to take care about us and then we'll care for them. But then we're also setting them up to hurt us. So if we, you know, just like, people do. It's it's weird because like if we want our kids to learn from them and use it as a tool, if the more human it is, the more that we're inviting if it's a mutual relationship for them to hurt us. Yes. It's weird. And it I mean is that weird. is true that that is how human relationships are. You yeah. draw close and you are putting yourself at risk to be hurt, disappointed, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a really interesting piece. Well, I was even thinking as you're mentioning that, I'm like how often do my kids say I'll ask Alexa versus ask mom or dad at Ooh, this point. Yeah, or figure it out. Yes, yeah. or, or figure, figure it out. It out. Yeah. Well, and even too, you know, people will put cameras in their house and run errands and watch their kids through a camera. So even you saying yeah. like robots, you have to think of it in all of those different ways where it's yeah. like, are they kind of taking care and doing childcare and helping with homework? <laughs> like- well, and right from the beginning of the book, it's like robots are created. Um, and in Japan, they've already really like primed the society as like, oh yeah, we're all for this, to take care of their kids as, as yep. babysitters and their elderly yes. population as caregivers. And everybody has a different reaction to it. Yeah. Right. And those are the kind of conversations of like, okay, so would you let a robot give medicine? Would you let a robot just observe like a camera? Would you let a a, a robot like rock a baby to sleep? Like what would, <gasps> but like, but we have like swings. Yeah. Like, you right. have to like, like deconstruct it. Is it more threatening or less threatening if it looks like a human? Like it's so it's weird. It's so fascinating. And I feel like Alexis and I, I mean, we go and speak and train and yeah. one of our fundamental topics is people are priority and learning empathy, connection, human connection, the power of belonging. And so reading this, it's like, (laughs) huh, where does this fit in? That's why I think that you were the perfect people to come talk about these particular chapters because you're so passionate about connection and people come first. Like, how do we talk about it though when technology can do so much for us? Where is the line, do you think? Oh my goodness, you go so first So in on the that. book it mentions the one thing that the technology can't do yeah. and that's empathy. Mm-hmm. They can't have empathy. And I think as humans, I think we're losing the ability to really sit and feel with someone else. And even I notice like with my older kids, because I have a 12 and 14 year old and then an eight and a six year old, 
that even just my parenting style, and I'm sure the influence of technology that didn't exist, that my older kids, I'm like, I think they were able to make some like human connection and ability to see things a little differently than my younger. And I was way more intentional with Mm -hmm. my older two, but it's like that we will never get from robots. And even if we get it, it will be synthetic still in a way. And so imitation of it. Yes, it will. It will be. And that ability is just really the foundation of humanity. Like if we get to a point where we are no longer making those connections and we can't connect that way, it terrifies me. It literally terrifies me. So I think we have to ask ourselves those hard questions is, is this replacing any type of human connection? And what could we be teaching instead? And just look at kind of the bigger... I don't know. And then what? You know? Like, so, and then what does (laughs) that mean? (laughs) And I mean, I think we're in a society where we're always looking for improved replacements. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we are. What's going to be faster? What's Mm -hmm. better? What will work the same, you know, in medicine, in all kinds of areas? And the fact of the matter is, I don't think we can replace human connection. I love that you said that. I don't think it's replaceable. I just feel that in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, well, is this... Are we trying to do that? I think sometimes subconsciously we're trying to do that. Like yeah. maybe, And that's why I think we need to talk about it a little bit more, especially mm-hmm. with our kids who don't have as much life experience about it. Right. Of, you may think that you're just playing a game or connecting, but all of this time, like you're not, what are you not doing and connecting with real people? Yeah. One of the things that I ask my kids in social situations mm-hmm. too, just trying to make good choices with friends and relationships of like, how does it make you feel after? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. even with technology, mm-hmm. oh, we can see like, okay, I wa- yeah. I binge watched this show. Yeah, I was able to kind of escape for a minute. But then how did I feel after? Mm-hmm. And even just with people and groups. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. And I can tell when my kids have been watching TV too long. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. grumpy and rude, you yeah. know? <laughs> and they're just yeah. kind of out of it. And yeah. I, um, and, and sure in the book says that loneliness makes people sick and the robot is presented as a cure, right? And then they show mm-hmm. all of these like different um, cases where they're used as therapy or in therapeutic ideas like for elderly people and, you know, seniors having somebody or something to talk to. And Sherry takes a step back and says, but like in the long term, do we really want to make it easier for children to leave their parents and not be with them? Is that like... Our, as we learn to get the most out of robots, we may lower our expectations of all relationships, right. including those people. In the process, we're betraying ourselves. Yes. Because if we are just – I even think of this on a small scale. So like robots, it seems like, well, it's not that bad. It's, it hasn't happened yet. But it has like yes. like with phone calls and texting and how much we see people face-to-face and how often yeah. and for what reason. We just want them to get back to us right away. Yeah. Right? Like we expect this immediacy from our relationships mm-hmm. that we didn't even a generation ago. It's so And true. even that is affecting our relationship. It is. it is. And I find I get really frustrated with like automated systems. Yeah. Because I always have a story. Like I'm like, well, I need to tell them that this <laughs> happened because of this. And it's like press one if you want. And I'm I like, get, I'm the exception. Exactly. I'm like, I just yeah. want to explain or to they them. Don't even have the option that I need. Right. Know? Yes. Yeah. The nuance. It's true. My needs. But it is true. Yeah. It and, is. and it's just how do you have an electronic device, a robot, whatever it may be, 
pick up on those human nuances. I remember when I had yes. my first child yeah. and I was a paranoid postpartum disaster, but he just had all these really mild little cues where he would grunt if he wanted food or he would do these little things. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't let anyone else watch him except for my mom because I was like, she knows his cues. Oh. You know, she understands yeah. those. And so I just imagine robots as a caretaker. Is there any way to program in that level of connection? You know what I mean? I it just, it almost scares me. I know. Cause what if there were? I know, like, and that's like just that's, scary. Scary. that's just as scary. It is it's in like, a different is way. That the question, yeah, yes. right. Or even I know this is so dumb, but like after the pandemic, and I'm totally grieving, and I'm like the lowest lonely I've ever been, and like this is so dumb, but um, like even like going to the grocery store, and now it's self checkout, or you go get some food, and it's just drive through or whatever. Like you can live your life in a normal way and not see or talk to anyone it's, and still take care of all your needs. And that is so true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I never really noticed it to that degree until I was really like, cause I just want to chat you up in the grocery line. And I know people hate that and I'm sorry, oh, but like, it's oh, like a need it. for we, me. I, I want to, I go to the we bank cause I want to talk yeah. to the teller and everyone's like, like you, you know, you can do that all online. And I'm like, I know, I know but why but would just, you want to? And I just think it's like that, but exaggerated. Right. Well, we dug into some research about it was more the relationship to human connection and like longevity and healthy life and even how long you'll live. And a lot of the research leads back to a community in Italy where they have all of these interactions daily. It's not just about your close relationships, but it's about knowing the name of your mail carrier or the person at the grocery store. And one of the things it's showing is even when you do brain scans, a person, I'm anticipating what you're going to say, how you're Mm going to react, and you don't get that on a screen. And you're not firing as many neurons. Your body doesn't have like the chemical response to like dopamine and serotonin. And it really creates depression, disconnect that leads to health issues that really makes you not live as long. So there are wow. health reasons yeah. why yeah. this is so important. Oh, I believe it. Right. And, and the fascinating thing is, for me, it's the why. Mm-hmm. Why do we want to fill human roles? Right. Why? Because we know social health, we have to have human connection. Yeah. Our blood pressure is lower. Mm-hmm. We live longer. All of these different things. And so why are we trying? The thing that sustains us, that gives us life, is connecting to other people. Totally. Why are we trying to fill that? Yeah. It's almost like checking a box. We're too busy. I don't know. It's fascinating. Well, and that's what Sherry says in the book too. She's like, we're all overwhelmed. Like, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's not. It's like, oh, can I take care of my aging parents and my little kids and work full time? Like, right. It's not because mm-hmm. we don't care and we're totally. all narcissists. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's because we have created this life of less leisure time with more technology, which was the opposite of what we anticipated. Yes. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should stop and go. Okay. So if we're creating this world where everything is taken care of, well shouldn't we want to spend more time on relationships and less time on other things? So it's just reevaluating the why. Yeah, it's social cultural shifts that put these extreme demands. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the working 40 hours a week. We have little kids. We have parents we need to care for. It's not humanly possible. So instead of looking at the structures that are putting us in the position, it's like, what can we externally bring in to fix it? Yeah, we're going to have a fix. Some cultures and societies... Don't do that. So what is it about us culturally as a whole that is trying to do that? You know? Yes. It's this idea of um, 
like what our long-term goals are yes. for, and I love that, that there's so many different studies where she like looks at it as a, as an analyst and is really saying, okay, so we're more connected than ever. We can be connected to anybody anywhere and we're more lonely and stressed out mm-hmm. yeah. and anxious. And it seems like it should be the opposite. Um, and I also like this idea then if to take it to the extremes then, because so, some people will say, and she, you know, outlines which scientist and everything will say, well, robots will be able to mimic human emotions. So it will give you that sense of empathy and connection. And then there's other, you know, psychoanalysts who she's like, I don't think so. But I think it's so, like, they propose technology that we make more likable is going to sell more and make be more connected. So we're going to make it more like, oh, this is fun. It feels like we're connecting to it a little bit more. It'll ah. feel more human. And she um, is saying not everyone, you know, like this is like the debate right now. Yeah. Um, I do think it's really interesting that these advanced robots um, – Domo and Mertz, you know, how they like went through all like, so uh, for those who are reading it, um, they talk about like, it's kind of like wearable robots and things like we're basically becoming cyborgs. And I was like, why would anyone want to do that? That's like science fiction. Then I'm like, and then they said in the book. Uh, do you carry your phone with you all the time? Do you have like those Google glasses? And I was like, and the watch (laughs) and the, you know, heart monitor and everything. And I thought, oh, we are kind of becoming part technology in order to live. And then Mm -hmm. they were talking about how people feel anxious and nervous when they're without it. And I was like, this is totally like a cyborg. It is. It really is. And so it is like this mesh of human and Mm -hmm. technology. And so I'm really curious where you personally draw the line between technology serving you and then you becoming integrated with it. Oh my goodness. Okay, so first of all, I Sorry, think I know we that have was to really back up. Yeah, honestly, great. before we started our business, like two and a half years ago, we were not very tech savvy at all. Like honestly, I think that even our husbands were like, "Okay, ladies, like, like seriously, get into the 2000s here." You know? Yeah. You know yeah. So, but now we've become more so just because we've had to learn all of these things just to run yeah. a business, to be able to even know what people are talking about in conversation. But I don't know if we've intentionally put a lot of thought into it. And I'm assuming that most people are in that same boat where it's like, oh, you want the newest phone because it does this and that will make your life easier. But you're not intentionally thinking about what you're replacing or not replacing, you know. And so it is fascinating because I I don't know. Like this is just a hard thing to really look at yourself in the mirror about and be more intentional, not just with your families, but even with yourself. It's the title of this book is so fascinating to me because it's a world Alexis and I stepped into when we started our Instagram platform. We're, you know, you're alone, you're in your house alone. And yet you are talking on stories to thousands of people who are there alone, but we're kind of together. Is it filling what we need it to fill? And it's so interesting because we had our account hacked a couple of years ago, our Instagram account, and it was awful and horrible, but we had to go like a week and a half maybe without our Instagram account. And we started feeling loss. Like we were grieving our Instagram community. It's like something would happen and we'd be like, oh, we can't get on stories now and tell them. Oh, well, and it's like we were actually visualizing them as people. Like we really, I feel like have humanized our audience where it's like, 
You your know friends. the people. Yes. And there's yeah. some people that d- direct message a lot. And you I'm get sure. to know them and, they and who they are. You, they tell you their they... stories. So even to have someone in a different country that wasn't even speaking English in our stories saying horrible things, like it was so aggressive <sighs> and dark. And it's like we could watch it from another account. And it was wild to just see the shift of the energy that we bring to that platform. Yeah. And then when someone took it over and they were threatening people, we lost thousands of followers, but they really eventually just want you to pay them yeah. to get your account back. Yeah. But we really were like, what do we do? It was so weird that it felt so sad to it, us. It felt like losing a friend. And wow. it took it took both of us, we took a step back. Like, what have we integrated into our life that this, you know, this social media platform Mm -hmm. is so much a part of us now and we can't even step away from it. And I find that way when I'm struggling emotionally and having a hard time, like I can't get on stories. I don't know if I'm ready to share this part of my life because we are so authentic in what we share, Yeah, you know, and I never want, we never want to be that like fake or whatever. And it's, it's a person to us. Yeah. You know, beyond a screen. It's crazy to think about, but I'm like. No, a person behind a screen and it's an app. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like that's what you're acknowledging. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's very like vulnerable too. I appreciate you like being super honest about it because that's how we feel about it. That's how we come. We personify Mm -hmm. these objects and we come to see them as friends as, and they don't even have a face yet. And so imagine when they do. Right. Well, and it is a little confusing too because we actually have created real friendships. Yeah through that platform. Well, I think that's using the best of it, though. Yes, it is. Like, again, like, I don't want this to be all doom and gloom because I do feel that we are still in control. Yes. You know, of of where we want it. But I think we're so far down the road that, and we're not asking the right questions and that we can kind of pause. I only have time for one more question um, that I wanted to ask you. It was at the very, very end. It says, in Japan, enthusiasm for robots is uninhibited. Like, um, they have ceremonies for, like, even, like, worn-out sewing needles. They have a ceremony to bury it, like, because it is provided so much. So, of course, they would do that for a beloved robot. Mm -hmm. Like, just thinking in the future about what it would, um, you know, that robots will heal heal us. So we come full circle. Robots, the Japanese hope will pull us back towards the physical real, right? Because they, you know, it's something physical, a, a ceremony, right? And thus to each other. And then she says, one wonders. <laughs> I love how she ended that because it's like, yeah, so the technology can bring us back to the real world, right? Right? It's- <laughs> such a fascinating thought. So what are your final thoughts on that? Instead of just going to what we want and need, which is human connection, we're saying, let's put a robot there to take us to it. Mm -hmm. So let's go in a full full circle mm -hmm. to try and get to what, when maybe it's a straight shot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I think with the emphasis on performance and production, that it really, it's enticing to think it if is. something else can take care of everything else yeah, so I can yeah. just focus on my relationships. Oh. But I just don't see it going that way. I yeah. Know. At least it hasn't for me in my life thus far. <laughs> yeah. It, it really, really did speak to me, and especially these chapters. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk about these, like, big ideas. I think we solved it. No, I guess so. (laughs) But at least we're having the conversation. And so thank you for coming along to have these like difficult conversations and for the good that you put out into the world. 
Thank and, you. And use it for the best. So thank you so much uh, for watching the Lisa Show Book Club. We have been talking about part three, chapters five, six, and seven. Uh, we've had a really great discussion. If you have um, time, go back and look at part one and two as well. Now, coming up next week, we're going to dive into part four, and we're going to cover chapters eight and nine, and we're really going to get to the idea of controlling technology. How do we do it? How can we do it better? 